Right now, put your hands together as we welcome uh, our youth, uh, our NFI ministry, our youth pastor, Pastor Ryan Hakes. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. I don't take it lightly that you have given us this Sunday to do this. I was talking to my brother-in-law, and I said, so are you on a rotation? Do you preach when you, when you come in? He goes, oh, no, I don't preach in the big house. And so we, we just really are, are uh, we feel so blessed. And um, <clears throat> pardon me, tonight, or this morning is going to be kind of an odd uh, uh, a bit for you, but it is a sermon that has been illustrated by the youth and young adults, and uh, we just wanted to show off their talent. We were in a um, conundry, what should we do? They're building the stage. It's going to look Charles Dickinson. So uh, there is a, a theatrical style called black box theater. Have you heard of it? It is uh, requiring of your uh, imaginations. And I'm going to assume that when you go to the movie theaters, you know that Iron Man isn't like really there. That's CG, right? So uh, this is gonna this is gonna be the same suspension of disbelief, and uh, they're just setting up real quick, but um, I, I want to tell you a quick story. I was mentored uh, by a, a Peruvian missionary, and she was a real woman of God and taught me a lot of what I know uh, uh, about the um, uh, Spanish culture. I, I have a, a great love for them. I grew up in Florida, so um, uh, I, I tried to not learn the dirty words, but I do know a bit of Spanish, and, and uh, in uh, in my time spent with my mentor, she said, you know, uh, there are coins in Peru, and they have holes in them. And she said, in these coins, you would put a, 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 an hilo, an hilo, a string through the coins, and you would, you would chain them around your neck and hold on to them. And that's a traditional uh, thing. They, they have them in uh, ancient Israel. They have them in uh, Japan with the yen. And, uh, and she said, you know, there is, you're not very good at, um, at acting, Ryan, and she was trying to teach me acting, and, I, and she was a very blunt and honest, uh, 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 maybe it was just English wasn't her first language, and she goes, you're not very good at acting, and I'm like, oh, sorry. She goes, but you're really good at finding the string of things, and I, I want to share with you this morning an, a discovery that I thought I had made. Turns out, I did not make this discovery at all. There's uh, books about this. Uh, uh, a, a wonderful man of God preached a sermon years ago on New, New Year's Eve. And he started at 6 o'clock and he ended at midnight. He, he, <laughs> I won't be that long. Uh, and, and he called it the Scarlet Thread. The Scarlet Thread. And I thought I was being really clever when I called this the ribbon of life. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to use red ribbon. And it is the idea that this book is full of Jesus. Did you know that? That, that there's more Jesus in Genesis. And, and, and so there's like, you ready for a magic trick? This is pretty amazing. You're never going to figure out how it does this. Oh, no, it's pulling my jacket. Never mind. There it is. That was so supposed to work. Pastor Ben's the magician. Whoa, look at that. All right. So this string comes out of my jacket through the Bible. There's this idea that the, the Bible is full uh, of this elo, this string, that, that this crimson thread. And it passes from Genesis 
through the Pentateuch, into the prophets, the, the Psalms, all the way through the New Testament, into the revelation of John. And then it also works backwards. It works backwards in time from us. And the place that the string goes to is never as straight as you think. And sometimes it zigs and sometimes it zags. And yet it always ends at Calvary. And this morning, in as fast as I can, I want to take you through the ribbon of life. In the Bible, there were two mountains. Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And there, on these two mountains, God had his people climb to the top of these two mountains. And as they climb to the top of these two mountains, they begin to read something very interesting. You see, on one was blessing and on another was curses. And the people of Israel were meant to walk down the middle. And the, the, the cursing and the blessing began like this. And the blessings and the curses washed over the people. And they walked with their burdens as they walked through the valley. Blessings. Curses. How does one hold between the two? And until that you will be blessed. You will be cursed. They were known to every Israelite. These two mountains. Abraham first stopped here when he entered Canaan. And it was here at Shechem, in the plain of Morah, that God first promised, Hey, unto your seed I will give this land. This tension. Do you feel it? Is it even nervous in this room? Do you feel the, the pull in your own life? Today, we're going to talk about the tension of the thread of life. Let's pray. God, speak to us through your word. Speak in the only way we know how, through your Holy Spirit. Father, if you can't speak through me, speak then in spite of me. Let everyone walk away and say to themselves, wow, wow, God, you are the master architect. You're the weaver. You pull things together in a way that we would never understand. In Jesus' name, amen. It began in a garden. In Genesis 3, we read, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife. And with this, he clothed them. And Adam and Eve came out of the garden wearing the first death. When Adam and Eve sinned, God shed innocent blood in order to make clothes for his first children. 
And so begins a pattern, a pattern of blood, a pattern of pain, a pattern of death, a pattern of covering embarrassment. Do you feel that same embarrassment? I do. Every moment we sin, every moment we trespass against God, he must cover us. And yet it didn't stop there. From life, from generation after generation, the new way to atone, the way to cover the sin was through the blood. Maybe the next generation would be better. There's always hope, right? Isn't that the point of being a father or a mother? It's the idea of having them be better than us. Abel and Cain. In Genesis 4 we read, And Abel brought an offering. Fact. Not exactly a pretty picture. The fat portion from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Why? In fact, it says in Hebrews 22 why. It says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Just recently, a mainstream denomination, if I named them, you would know who I'm talking about, intentionally went through their hymnals and removed every single song. They revised their hymnals, removed every single song that mentioned the blood of Jesus. Just a couple of years ago, I thought it was interesting, and I, I don't say this with spite, but as I looked back through it, I realized something that corresponded with their removal of blood from the hymnals. Do you know what it was? Membership. That church, that body, that denomination is now in decline. I will not apologize for the bloody nature of this message this morning because this message is about something bigger. So God said without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Abraham and Isaac, the thread continues. And as it goes through, the blood of a ram substituted for the son. You know the story. Abraham comes out with his son, Isaac, his promised son. I'm here to tell you right now, I don't think I have the faith that Abraham does. I do not think I could take my firstborn Jack and lay him on an altar and cut out his heart. I do not think I could do it. And yet, here's a man of such faith. It's interesting. The, the boy says, where's the sacrifice? This is not new. They go up to this mountain all the time. And he says, where's the sacrifice? They're going up Mount Moriah. And he said, God will provide the sacrifice. And Abraham is just about to stab and before he does, an angel halts his hand and says, stop. And Abraham notices 
a ram in the thicket, in a thorn bush. So just before he sees this ram, Isaac is set free. But again, an innocent animal's blood was shed instead. You see, the thread weaves itself in unbelievable patterns. Would you like to know some of the patterns? How about this one? You can't make this up. This is actually the kind of thinking in today's message that convinced C.S. Lewis to come to Christ. His great friend, the author of The Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien, began to show him the pattern, the ribbon of life. Mount Moriah is the same mountain range as another important mountain, Calvary. In fact, centuries after Abraham and Isaac walk up Mount Moriah, the Lord Jesus was our ram, also caught in a thicket, wasn't he? His thicket was placed horribly on top of his head as a crown of thorns. We continue. The promised people now languish in pain. They, they are prisoners. Worse, they are slaves. They work for sustenance. They are abused, murdered at will. The children of this horrible slave community are murdered over and over and over again. All of the boys. And yet there's something that God has a plan for. He weaves again. He, the master artisan begins to craft a new thread that continues. And this one he called Passover. The blood of the lamb shielded a family from judgment. Exodus 12 says, The blood will be the sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. That's why it's called Passover. You see, when God saw the blood, his judgment passed over those families. You see, what happens is really interesting. Is that the man, to, to, to protect his family, has to put blood in this interesting configuration. Even the, the moment of the Passover is in some way indicative of the, the cross being created. In fact, where the blood was pooled is very interesting. It wasn't in a cup. They would slaughter the ram in a basin at the front of the doorway. And the blood would pool. And as it pooled, the husband would take his wife and his son, who would be murdered by an angel of death, and they would have to step over the mantle. They would have to step under the blood. They would need the blood to cover them on their right and on their left. And when they shut the door behind them, it was only the blood that would protect them. His judgment would pass over. You see, when God sees the blood of the Lamb, 
applied over the doorpost. Whether it's a doorpost in ancient Egypt or the doorpost of our hearts, the judgment passes over. This one is unbelievable. It changed everything for me. As the Israelites, now free from the horror of slavery, they pass into a place of, of a desert. And as they pass through this desert, there is a huge tent that God has them create. It's called the tabernacle. And there's, there's all sorts of meanings and layers and all sorts of pieces and parts. Well, one of the most fascinating ones is this idea that the, the roof of the tabernacle is dyed red. And now you and I, we don't, we don't think much about dye. For someone to wear purple back then was so expensive, it was considered a, a regal color. Because you couldn't just go to Walmart or, or Meyer and, and pick up some of that uh, Ritz color and, 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 or you couldn't go to the store and just buy a purple uh, uh, yarn of cloth or anything like that. You had to have it made in that color from organic material. And the Bible was very specific. And I always was bored. It, yeah, yeah, if you're like me, every once in a while you're reading a part of the Bible and it's just boring. Because for me, I didn't realize some of the depth that God was going into. The part where he's describing this how many cubits and this so many this and that, and whatever a cubit is, right? And, and then they, you know, they do all the little translations at the bottom and, and you're trying to figure it all out. What is this? And, and, and what I found is that if you dig a little bit deeper, you can find the ribbon of life even there. Does anyone know what color the roof of the tabernacle was? I'll give you a hint. Red. Is that a good hint? But red was not an easy color. And red was not a cheap color. Red was created from something called the scarlet worm. It's a spiky little nasty little critter that would eat on acacia wood. And you had to pluck them off one by one and they'd poke you and, and stab you with their little spines. And then you would take these critters and you'd put them in a bowl. And then you would mash them. You'd say, there, that's for poking me with you, you little worm. And you'd, you'd crush them. And then you would, you would take this, this mealworm mash and then they would rub it onto the top and all over, and it would dye this fabric. Now here's the crazy part. Thousands of years later, a man, a poet, a warrior, an artist, and the worship leader for his country got together with a couple of his buddies every morning. They'd get ready to to jam out, and they'd think about the stories and the songs and the, the worship, and, and then they would write, literally, can you imagine this, if, and I would love it, but if like Lee and Don Waggy wrote the songs that America sings, that's what's going on there. And this man said, hey guys, let me sing you a little song. And in it, he sings this lyric from Psalm 22, but I am a worm and not a man. 
scorned by everyone, despised by the people. Wow. And then it goes on to say that this Jesus is the worm in prophecy in Isaiah that was crushed. Many, many years after that. How do you put these things together? The truth is you don't. The tabernacle roof. Every time that they walked in underneath it, they were under the crushed blood of the worm who was crushed for us. A worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. The thread, the ribbon of life moves through us. And then, theatrical, huge, smoky, smelly, loud, the biggest, the craziest. It was an unbelievable city. Huge. Could race chariots around the walls. This massive, unpregnable fortress. And yet God chooses to save a prostitute who helps the men spy out the city. And they said to her, they said, in Rahab, put out a scarlet rope. And when we see that scarlet rope, we'll know that you're with us and we'll save you. Now, was there any power in the scarlet rope? Just rope. But what did it imbue? Salvation. And then we read in Matthew, and what do we see? Among the lineage of Jesus Christ, a prostitute. God didn't just save her life. He put her into an eternal history lineage that would save the world. Wow. Hebrews 11 says this, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. And they were compassed about seven days. But by faith, the prostitute Rahab perished not with them. When she had received the spies in peace. Then something interesting happened. The Israelites found their place. The Hebrews found their place. And they built a temple. And they began to do a system of sacrifices, some temple sacrifices. And do you know where they built that temple? On Mount Moriah. And every day, hundreds of animals were sacrificed at this temple. Whole, the whole city, the whole, the whole community, the whole nation. But on one day, it was called Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. They had to take away the blood that was on their hands by putting it on animals. They said he is to lay both his hands in Leviticus on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sin, and put them on the goat head. 
And he shall send the goat away into the wilderness, into the care of someone appointed for the task. And again, we see the scarlet, the red, the blood, the color. And there was, a, there was a, a, an amazing thing about that temple sacrifice. is that the Day of Atonement, you, you couldn't just go see God. There was a, a giant veil, a, a, a giant tall, huge, they, they say it was, it was huge, it was, it, was a, it was a massive, multiple inch thick curtain, and God was on the other side. And so the high priest had to kill, had to sacrifice, had to find a way for atonement. Where does all this go? Well, quite simply, it all goes to the cross. I could name more and more and more. I, I, I was so excited about this sermon, I, I produced 25 pages of notes. I whittled it down to one, but uh, real small font. But one of the things I was so shocked by was the intricacy, the precision, the, the detail with which our God works. What does that mean for you and I? I find it interesting that in our generation we can trust God for two things. Salvation and healing. I find it interesting that we can trust God for salvation and healing, but sometimes we don't trust Him for some other things, right? But I submit to you that the Bible says not a little birdie falls to the ground. You don't serve some big, flashy God who's, who's this big personality and all charisma, who wanders around and lets all his secretaries do all the work. You, you don't, he is not some CEO of some company who has no time for you. The amazing thing about our God is that he has the ability to notice some things, no, everything, and not only that, all things work together for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. Calvary. That's right, give God some praise. Calvary was more than just a moment. Calvary was beginning and end. Calvary was created from the beginning. God knew that Calvary was going to happen. God knew that this moment on the cross was going to happen before time itself. This was not a surprise. The scarlet thread, the ribbon of life, leads not through the cross, it leads to the cross. The thread that connects us to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ doesn't lead through and, and, and past Jesus, it leads us back to the cross. Every moment is tied to this moment. 
You see, the scientists are trying to be more open in the way that they communicate because it wouldn't be fair for, say, a Muslim scientist to have to say, Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. But the truth is, is that even when they call it something else, before common era, and common era, what are they still referring to? Even in their PC, let's be friends idea, it's still A.D. and B.C., before Christ and in the year of our Lord. And it will always be. It was the moment that split time for humanity. It is the moment that we celebrate. Yeah, Christmas is great. I love Thanksgiving. But I'm going to tell you the, the, the holiday of holidays is Easter. Amen? That is the moment we revolve around. It is the moment we hold. And as the team comes out, they're going to illustrate the, 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 the Calvary's power in a way that I hope that surprises you and you may not have ever seen it before. Let's bring down the lights.
time. A moment in time that split all time. We wanted to show you something where the bad guys get saved too. Because Jesus is not interested in our version of justice. All who call upon him can touch the ribbon of life. And it's that blood from the Lamb of God and John who, who, who was able to, to also be in the tension between the Old and the New Testament. He was the one. When he saw Jesus coming down, he, he said, Look! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. With Abraham and Isaac, it was one lamb for a son, and that was a great deal. On Passover, it was one lamb for an entire family, and that was a great deal. But John announced Jesus, and it was the Lamb of God for the entire world. Not dead, not living. Everyone who would come after him had access to the ribbon of life. It has been written into the DNA of who we are from the very beginning of time. Rohan's going to come up on the piano, but before he does, I want to show you one last thing. Just in case you're a skeptic, I was a skeptic. It was this idea that there was an eloh, a string that runs through the Bible that really sealed the deal as a young 14-year-old boy who was called into the ministry but didn't want to do what his dad did. And yet I saw the eloh. I saw the, the, the string that runs through. My mentor just said, look here and look here. Are you ready? Ten names. Students, come up here and show these ten names. Organize yourself from this to there, starting Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahalil, Jared, Hinnok, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. All right, why don't you guys get up on this top step here so everybody can see. Go to the center, and I'll get out of your way. These are the first men recorded in the Bible. And... It's probably one of the strangest things I've ever read in the Bible. It's Leviticus. So Adam, Seth, Enosh, Hinnok, Canaan, Mahalil, Jared, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. And the interesting thing is that as my parents were naming me, because my dad is like this crazy brain and he can read in Greek and Hebrew and all this stuff, he, he, he was very careful to pick names that meant something because in the Bible, every name means something. It has power. So Adam means man. 
And Seth means appointed. And Enosh means subject to death. And Kenan means sorrowful. And Mahalio means for the presence of God. And Jared means one who comes down. And Hina means dedicated. Methuselah means dying, he shall send. And Lamech means to the poor, brought very low. And Noah means comfort and rest. Man, appointed, subject to death, sorrowful. From the presence of God, one comes down dedicated. Dying, he shall send to the poor, brought very low, comfort and rest. I didn't do a magic trick. I don't get any of the glory. God set this one up from the creation of man. It is no accident that the first 10 recorded men in the Bible talk about Jesus. It is no accident that as the veil was ripped apart, at the very moment Jesus expired on the cross, the guys were, priests were in their, their uh, sacrifices. Did you imagine this? They're doing what they always did. They're taking the sacrifices, they're roasting them, they're burning them, and then, boom, earthquake, and from the top to the bottom, not like what we did, from the top to the bottom, I couldn't do it, only God could do that kind of stuff, and, and, and opens up, and what do they see? The presence, the place, the holy of holies. And all of the sudden, these men who were forbidden to see such things had to stare. Because the man appointed and subject to death, who was sorrowful, sorrowful from the presence of God, he came down dedicated, dying, he shall send to the poor, brought very low comfort and rest. And the ribbon of life, the blood of Christ, is poured out. It strings through and it connects everything you know. Close your eyes all over this place. Join me in prayer. I have a, a question for you. I have a question for you, and it's a, it's a pretty basic question of faith. It's a pretty simple question. Maybe you were like me when I was 14, and you are going through the motions, and the whole Jesus thing is fine. But when you are presented with the evidence that there is a string of crimson thread, there is a lineage of blood that flows, there is something more. That you need Jesus.
God, I pray in this house right now that the blood of Jesus, who redeems every single person who would reach out and run to you, would have it. Jesus, move in our hearts right now. Now look up here. I've got three calls for you. The blood of Jesus redeems us from a wasted life. precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The blood of Jesus washes away the stains of our sin. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You see, the blood of Jesus brings us into a relationship with God. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. All right, right up here. Who wants to give their life to Jesus? I know I do. I know I need to. I know in this moment, it's not about whether you were a good boy or a good girl or a good Christian or a bad Christian. It's, it's not about being good at all, it is have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Has it flowed from Emmanuel's veins? Do you have an anchor within the veil? Pastor. Stand with us this morning, precious Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. I talked to my neighbor yesterday and I looked him in the eye and I said, Dave, heaven is real. Hell is real. And eternity, as you've heard me so many times say, eternity is just a breath away, Dave. God loves you so much. And he sent his only begotten son, Dave, to die for you, to take your place, to shed his precious blood so that your sins might be cleansed, washed away, your life made brand new. All because of what Jesus did. Isn't it time, Dave, you say yes to Jesus? He said, Phil, what you're saying is true. I'll think about it. Here's a man that has had strokes. Here's a man who's come close to death's door. I'll think about it. As Pastor Ryan shared this morning, there is a cleansing stream that flows from the First page of the Bible to the end of the Bible. Do you know all about that stream? Has that cleansing flow flowed through your life? Do you know that you know that you know that you're right with God and you have a home in heaven? 
you might be standing here this morning and saying, oh, this talk about blood that's so distasteful. I, 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 I mean, I, just to think about it, it it's horrendous. Uh, yuck. You won't say that if you're in a bad car accident, if you've been injured, if you have uh, a, a disease where you have to have a transfusion of blood. It means the difference between what? Life and death. The blood of Jesus Christ. There's no blood like his blood. As we sing the old song, it still flows to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. God's answer for all of our problems. God's answer for all of eternity. God's answer for the difference between heaven and hell. The blood of Jesus shed at Calvary. And God has left us an infallible witness, as you've seen this morning. Account after account, Old Testament, New Testament, in the very names of the first ten men of the Bible, God has given us a witness that He loves you, He loves me, that He sent His best to die upon the cross. And so, as we should be confronted every time at church, what will you do with Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus is, was? Isn't it time? Isn't it time? Isn't it time you say yes to Jesus? Father, I ask and pray right now as heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Lord, I ask and pray even right now, Lord, that lives and hearts and souls would be claimed through the cross of Jesus Christ. Even now, O oh Holy Spirit, come and knock upon hearts doors perhaps you're standing here this morning as heads are bowed and no one is looking around in the privacy of this moment perhaps you're standing here right now and you don't understand a lot of things that were shared this morning you don't understand uh, a lot that uh, even i am directing your attention to this one thing you do know there's coming a judgment day there's coming a, a, a day where the books will be opened. You know that life is not forever. You know that there is something more than just this life. That there is that which speaks of afterlife, eternity, and eternity lasts forever. If by chance you're not sure you're right with God, if you're not sure that you have a home in heaven and you want to be sure, you want to be confident that your name will be written in the book of life on that day of days, then I say, it's time to try Jesus. You've tried everything else. Let him cleanse you, make you brand new. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm not asking you to join this church or even to join a religion. But as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you would like to be included in a prayer that I'm prepared to pray this morning, a prayer that will give you a home in heaven, a prayer that will give you a cleansing of your mind and your heart, your words, your actions, your soul, a prayer that will make you right with God. If you would like to be included in that prayer, if you would like to know 
that heaven is your home, would you just lift up your hand right now as a sign of your faith? Lift it up high so that I can see it. God bless you. I see that hand. How many more? God bless you. I see that hand. How many more? God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. How many more? How many more here this morning? I'm looking up at the balcony here on the main floor. I don't want to miss anyone this morning. Lift it up high that I can see. Yes, God bless you. Five hands lifted up for Jesus Christ. Amen. God loves you so much. He claims you even right now through the cross. He claims you through the shed blood of Calvary. Every drop of blood that Jesus shed upon that tree, every drop cried out, I love you. I love you. I want to be with you in heaven. I want to change your life right now and change all of your tomorrows. How many more? Lift up your hand right now as God is moving. God is moving. Precious Jesus, if not, let us pray. And if you lifted up your hand, lift it up again as a sign of your faith. Amen. I want everyone to pray this prayer. I want especially those that have lifted up their hands. Put your life, put your faith in this prayer. Repeat this prayer after me out loud. Everybody. Dear Jesus, I come to you right now. I confess I am a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. You have saved me through your precious blood shed for me at the cross i believe you paid the price for me i believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life you did it for me that i might have new life a new hope a new tomorrow thank you jesus for hearing me, for cleansing me, for washing me, for changing me through your precious blood. I love you, Jesus. I want to live for you. I want to be with you in heaven forevermore. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I pray this, amen and amen.